And all God's people said, amen. amen. Um, very excited uh, about all that the Lord is up to and all that He is doing. Um, you know, our, our name is Life Change Church, and, and uh, we, we want to see life change uh, take place. And so it's very exciting whenever we have baptisms to see uh, the life change that is taking place uh, in people's lives as they uh, want to come and, and publicly uh, make known that in Christ Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. You know, that's what happens in Jesus, right? He said that we are born again. What an amazing and incredible mystery uh, that that is, that we are uh, united with Him and we become one and that the old has passed away and all things have become new. Old life passes away and we begin a new life with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and baptism represents all of this. It, 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 it represents us going under the water and the old remaining and the new arising. And uh, it gives us then also the opportunity to publicly make that known, to proclaim that I have put my faith and trust in Jesus I am born again. The old me is gone. The new me is alive to live for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, so, so today, as we move into the baptism, um, this, is what, uh, this is what Brett uh, wants to declare. He wants to declare uh, that he is, he is in Christ and that he uh, forever will live with him. Dave snatched that lid off all by himself. Mm. That is a strong man right there. Um, so uh, Brett's going to come, and, and uh, we're going to baptize him, and then if you'll just, if you'll just pray with me, I'm going to lay my hands on him and, and pray over him. I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, come on, brother, uh, for all that the Lord is doing. You've got to have good balance to come up with that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Brett, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. You believe He's the only begotten Son of God? Yes. Have you received Him as Savior and Lord? I have. Is it your desire to faithfully serve Him all your days? Yes. It is. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do you need to hold your nose or anything? Are you good? You good? Okay. Um, Brett, because of your faith and trust in Jesus and because of your desire to live for Him, and to publicly make that known through water baptism, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Pray with me, will you? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Uh, thank you for pouring it out upon Brett. Lord, we pray that your hand would just be powerfully upon him all of his days. That your blessing poured out over him. Uh, Lord, I just, I just believe you just speaking to him, saying that you are with him, you know, that you delight in him, that you are mighty to save that you sing over him songs of deliverance, that you go before him and bring about every victory, that he goes forward but not alone, he goes forward with you, 
We thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for new life in you, new life that is found in you, new birth, that the old is gone, that the new has come, that in you is found freedom, and in you is found abundant life, in you is found peace and joy. All of these blessings come to those who have trusted in you and put their hope in you, and and bread has, Lord, and so we just pray these things poured out upon him in abundance, that as he faithfully serves you and lives for you, that he will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living bestowed upon him and all around him. We thank you for this, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In his holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, come on, give me a good wet hug. Nothing like a good old wet, yeah, there we go. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Not much better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel stirred to pray. Will you pray with me? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you and we praise you. Uh, we thank you for uh, your life-changing grace poured out upon us. Lord, we thank you for uh, the wonderful gift of baptism that gives us uh, a ceremony, if you will, and, and, and a picture, and a, and, a, and a moment, and a time, and, a, and an ability to declare who we are in you and, and what we have believed. We thank you for this, Lord. And I just think of, of all those that have been baptized here in this church, and I just lift them up to you right now. And I pray your hand upon them. I pray your protection around them. I pray your guidance to them, and I pray, Lord, the good work that you have begun in them, that you will that you will uh, will will bring it to completion. I pray in Jesus' mighty name that they will arise and faithfully serve you all of their days. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, "Amen." Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I was going to dismiss the kids, but it looks like looks like they have dismissed themselves. Mm-mm. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, um, as you know, I I believe that we that we live in in very important times. Uh, I believe that God knows who we are, where we are. He knows what's going on, and uh, and and I believe that you, you know one of the powerful messages of the Book of Esther uh, is is when Mordecai declares to her that, that God has brought you to this place for such a time as this. He's brought 
you. He knows who you are. He knows the time that you're in, and he's brought you to the place that you are for such a time as this. I believe this of myself. I believe this of you, that our our great God of wisdom uh, and understanding has set each and every one of us uh, in this time uh, for such a time as this. And we are who we are, and we are well-equipped to do the things that God has called us to do. Uh, God, in His wisdom, makes all of those things work together. And one of the uh, one of the interesting things that we see going on in our times, I don't know if interesting is the word, I don't really know what to say, but one of the things that we see uh, going on in our time is, is that there's, there's quite a bit of confusion, and, uh, and there's also quite a bit of division, um, which none of these things are, are, uh, are things that are orchestrated of the Lord, and, and, and what is needed is, is clarity uh, and and unity, um, and and I believe that uh, that can be very difficult, but that there is one thing that that really seems to stand out that can really bring both clarity and unity, uh, and it, it is abundant life. You, you know, there's there's not a lot that. Uh, that we agree on, and there's not a lot of people that you'll find that perfectly agree with you. Um, but if we're going to be united, then we do need agreement. Uh, you know, Amos 3.3, 3, how can we walk together if we're not in agreement? And two, can, two can walk together if they, if they agree. It's very difficult to walk together if you're not in agreement. This is why, you know, Paul says uh, to, the, to the believer he says, don't marry an unbeliever. Don't, don't be unequally yoked to an unbeliever because he recognizes you're not in agreement. It's going to be very difficult for you to walk together uh, in agreement. So, so if there's going to be unity, then it's important for us to uh, discover what we can agree upon and start there. And one of the things that may be the one thing that we can agree upon, uh, in part, uh, is abundant life. We all want abundant life. Now, I'm not saying we agree on what that looks like and on where it comes from. So, so we, we recognize we don't agree there, so we just back up to where we do agree that we all do want abundant life. You know, most, most everyone does. Uh, you know, I, I imagine there are a few that, uh, that don't, but, but for the most part, we desire, we want abundant life. And and the agreement could even go a little bit further. I'm not saying it does, but it would be important uh, for, for us to not only desire abundant life for ourselves, but for us to desire abundant life for others. That would be like another step. That if we could agree upon, I want abundant life for me and I want it for you, that is a, that's a big deal. If, if we could agree upon that, then we could really work through a lot of issues and disagreements and really, and really bring a ton of clarity to a lot of things if we could agree upon, I desire abundant life for me, and I desire abundant life, not, not just for you, but for all. You know, I think most people desire it for you know, husband, wife, children, relatives, close friends, but then there are obviously those that they don't desire abundant life for, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit this morning. But, but if, we could, if we could come to the place where we desire abundant life for ourselves and we want it for all, we, we desire it for all, that, that's a wonderful place of agreement that solves many problems and, and brings, brings so much clarity 
uh, into, uh, into uh, our, our lives. Um, and and for, the, for the believer, for the Christian, this is, this is why there should be much unity uh, in our lives, because that's one of the things that in Christ Jesus we should agree upon, that we desire abundant life for ourselves and we desire it uh, for uh, others. Um, as I said, just let me highlight this again because it's kind of, kind of the whole idea uh, is that one of the clear ways that you identify a, a saint, one of the clear ways that you identify a, a Christian or, or anyone uh, is by their fruit. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, you can, even though a false prophet comes cloaked in sheep's clothing, you can identify them and recognize them by their fruit. Bad bears bad, good bears good. Bad trees bring bad fruit, good trees bring good fruit. So by their fruit, you will recognize them. So as a, as a saint, uh, people of God, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus uh, and, uh, and, and follow Him and live for Him. And uh, if you don't know what a, what a believer is, what a disciple of Christ is, this is, this is what should be taking place uh, in your life. You should be one who is following after Jesus, and as you are following after Jesus, you should begin to, you should begin to uh, have his thoughts and, and walk in his ways and, and begin to desire his desires. And as you grow and mature in Christ, that, that happens more and more and more. As we grow and mature in Christ, more and more we think his thoughts we believe and walk in His ways, and we desire what He desired. Uh, and, and, we, and we recognize that there is maturing in Christ, right? John 15, we talked about this last Sunday, tells us that, we, that, we're, that we're to bear fruit and that we go from fruit to more fruit to much fruit, that we're growing in our fruitfulness, that we are maturing in Christ. And, and that process is okay, like, like someone who, who has just entered into Jesus and put their faith and trust in them uh, shouldn't really be as far along as, as I am who have you know, been serving the Lord for years, and that's okay. The, the thing is, is that we're growing, we're moving, we're maturing. And, and you know, wherever, wherever you are in the process, what should be taking place, you may not be as far along as someone else, but what should be taking place as you are growing and maturing in Christ is that your thoughts are perishing and that his thoughts are, are arising, that, that your ways are, are becoming less and less and more and more you're embracing and walking in his ways and that your desires are, are disappearing more and more and that his desires are arising within you. This is, this is if you understand that, then you, this is why Psalm 37 can, can be true. Where God says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Because as you delight yourself in Him, you, you begin to lose any desire that He couldn't give you. And every desire that He has, and that He has for you, becomes the desires that you want. And so then He can give you the desires of your heart. That's how that is, that is uh, fulfilled right there. So, so the, the two desires that probably come to the top when you talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we, we see these all through the Gospels uh, are, are, are these. That he, that his desire 
was for God to be glorified. That he wanted glory for God the Father. In, in everything he did, he wanted the Father to be exalted and honored and glorified. And then, you know, we know from John 10.10 10 and other things that he said and the way that he lived, that he wants for us life and that more abundantly. I love the King James Version of that. As, as it says to us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, showing us what our enemy's desire is for us, but that Jesus says, but I've come that you might have life, but not just life, that you might have it more abundantly, that this is Jesus' desire for us, not, not just that we would live, but that we would live more abundantly. Not just that we would have life, but to have it, have it to the full. Have it over the top. You know, and you can start to add verses to this, like, like Romans 15, 13, where it says, where, where Paul says that you'd be filled with joy and peace and overflowing with hope. Paul saying that, that you'd have abundant life upon abundant life and have it overflowing in, in your life. That Jesus wants for us life and that more abundantly, and he wants God to be exalted. And glorified, and, and I'm telling you that as you grow in Christ and you, ma- and you mature in Christ, these desires of His become your desires. That, that less and less anything becomes about you, and more and more it's, it's God's glory, it's His honor, it's is He exalted. Is he high and lifted up? And, and, and not only do you desire for yourself abundant life, but more and more and more you desire it for others. You want others to live, and not just live, but life, and that more abundantly. The more we grow in Christ, the more these two desires arise. If, if these desires are not arising in you and growing in you, then it may be a sign that you've kind of you've leveled off in Christ and you're not growing and moving and you need to. You might need a preacher like me to just get behind you and give you a little shove, push you forward and say, hey, 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 you kinda, you've kind of settled down, which, which we can do. You've kind of settled down in that place. You, you know, Revelation 3, oh man. My mind's all over the place this morning. You know, Revelation 3, where Jesus speaks to the, to the lukewarm church, it, it, it's such a convicting thing and, and can be such a discouraging thing and people can take that so hard and they don't want to look at it or read it. But if you do, you see Jesus in that verse calling his church out of that. It's his love and mercy and grace and compassion. He says, he says I'm I'm. I'm saying these things so that you would be earnest and repent. I'm standing at the door knocking to wake you up out of that so that you'll move. So if we find ourselves stagnated in a place and, and, and the glory of God isn't a great weight that we carry and abundant life for others doesn't move us or motivate us anymore, then maybe you needed to be here today or watch online or listen to this podcast so that through the Holy Spirit I could push you and wake you up or maybe clap at you and say, come on, come on, as as the saints, as believers, we are not about some things, we are about other things. And the passions that stir within us are 
Is God glorified and exalted? And is there life and that more abundantly coming to others? Am I living in it? And, 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 and am I a vessel that God's moving through to bring it to others? Now, the, the thing that's so beautiful about this is we saw this in John 15. Just let me remind you of it because it's so important. It's so important to our everyday living for the Lord is that, is that when, we, when we produce the fruits of abundant life, that when we do that, that and, and we'll, we'll highlight them again in just a moment, but when we produce, well, let me just go ahead and do it. When we produce the fruits of abundant life, this is some of what abundant life looks like. Now, remember, it's, it's forever life. Uh, remember that it's forever freedom, it's forever fruitfulness, and it's forever friendships. And, and when, when those are the fruits that we are enjoying, that we are producing, when we're walking in freedom and, and fruitfulness and beautiful relationships, when we are doing that, we see both things happening. We see our lives bringing abundant life to others and God being exalted and glorified. We see that in John 15, as Jesus said, when you, when you bear much fruit, it's to our Father's glory. That He's honored, that He's exalted, that He's glorified. When I am bearing the, the fruits of abundant life in, in my life. And, not only does it say that, but it says that then others will know that we are His disciples. That we are followers, believers, disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just just by living in and bearing the fruits of abundant life, we bring glory and honor to God and we proclaim Jesus. And when we proclaim Jesus, we are helping to bring abundant life to others. Because it is, you know, Romans 10, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how can they call on one they've not believed? And how can they believe in one they've not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? And when we preach with our mouths and also preach with our fruit, we proclaim Jesus. And when Jesus is heard, he's believed in. And when he's believed in, he's called upon. And when he's called upon, then people are saved, changed, transformed, forgiven, delivered. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. So it becomes so important for the saint, for the believer, that we are living in and enjoying and producing life and that more abundantly and that everyone sees it. Everyone sees the fruit of our lives that we are living in. Now, now I want to I dive into the, the one specific fruit of freedom, but let me just connect this back to the... Uh, to the, to the thought on agreement just for a moment. The reason why this can bring such agreement to our lives is because it is for these two reasons that the saints, the people of God, uh, glory to God and abundant life, it's for those two reasons that we will applaud and support what we applaud and support. And it is for those two reasons that we will oppose what we oppose. I, I applaud and support what I applaud and support based on, I, I laughed because the banner just fell, but sorry, it distracted me. <laughs> okay, I'll try to bring myself back in here. Um, now I'm thinking of cake. What in the world? It's okay to laugh in church. 
um, we, we applaud and support what we applaud and support because it brings glory to God and abundant life to others. And we oppose what we oppose because it's not good for the glory of God or the abundant life of others. And so we are in agreement on what we applaud and we are in agreement on what we oppose because of our agreeing desires that are in agreement with Jesus that we want God to be glorified and others to live. So if something doesn't bring glory and honor to God, I oppose it. And if it doesn't bring abundant life to others, I oppose it. And if it does bring glory and honor to God, then I applaud it and support it. And if it does bring abundant life to others, then I applaud it and support it. So, so we recognize why we, why we support what we, what we support and oppose what we oppose. And we can come to a place of agreement on why we support what we support and oppose what we oppose because of our, our like desires of bringing God glory and honor and bringing abundant life to others. So, so then it, it becomes kind of important for us to understand and know what abundant life looks like uh, so, that, so that we can make sure that this is a fruit that is growing in our lives and so that we know, uh, so that we know what to support and what to oppose and it helps us to agree with one another. And, and unity, by the way, uh, proclaims uh, Jesus and brings God bless, God's blessing on our lives. So I want to I focus in here uh, on freedom uh, this morning, this abundant life fruit of freedom. I know, that, I know that we've done this, and I know that freedom requires a whole series. Uh, so I know that, So and, and I know that I'm long-winded, uh, so I was praying and asking the Lord, and I'll, sh- I'll share this with you, and you can take it you know, however you take it. I was praying and asking the Lord where to, you know, it's such a vast topic, where do I focus in uh, here? And, and, and this is what I believe the Lord spoke uh, to, to my spirit, to focus in in this area of freedom on being free from condemnation and being free from bitterness. Free from bitterness, free from condemnation. And that so many of our other freedom problems come out of us not being free from condemnation and free from bitterness. But if we are freed from condemnation, and in Christ we are, and we are freed from bitterness, and in Christ we should be, then so many other areas of freedom start to come alive in our lives. Like One of the reasons that so many Christians are struggling with living victorious over sin is because they don't want to be free from bitterness. And because they don't want to be free from bitterness, they've opened up a door uh, for the enemy to come in and plant seeds and, and, and lies and deceptions in, in their life that are leading to them struggling with victory over other sins in uh, their lives. That's probably a whole other sermon uh, for another day, but such a key to us being victorious over uh, sin in our lives that we, are, as the people of God, we're not, we're not called to live in sin. Now, I'm not saying we don't stumble into it every now and then, but we better get out of it pretty quick. We're, we're called to be freed from it. And, and one of the reasons that, that we can get so stuck in it is because we're unwilling to be freed from bitterness. We're, we're unwilling to uh, 
forgive. And so because we won't uh, forgive, then that also ties to us not being free from condemnation. Because the enemy comes and, and, and condemns us and we listen to it because we're still condemning others. So we've got to be freed from condemnation and freed from bitterness. And this brings a great deal of freedom into our lives that we will not experience if we, if we do not um, see, a, see a victory and a freedom in this area of condemnation and bitterness. So let me read, let me read two couple verses that you, you, you probably know. Uh, you may not know that they're here, but this is where they are. Romans 8. Uh, by the way, you should memorize Romans 8. Um, Romans 8, the great. Romans 8, 1 and 2. These are beautiful, wonderful passages of Scripture. If you, if you don't memorize the whole thing, memorize these two. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, while you're memorizing Romans 8, you should just go ahead and do 6 and 7 as well. Romans 6, 7, and 8. It's a good, good, good memory place to start. Uh, and, you, and you could also do Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Uh, listen to this. Therefore, there is now no. Don't you love no? It means there's not any. It means it's completely gone. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus, we are freed from condemnation. This, this robs from the enemy almost everything that he has because what is he? He's a condemner. He just comes and brings accusation after accusation after accusation, condemnation after condemnation after condemnation. But in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. By the way, this is, this is such a, a, a plan and strategy of the enemy to accuse and, and you, and you re- rarely find that in a saint. Saints who are mature in Christ, you, you often hear said of them, I never hear them say any bad thing about anybody. There, there's not accusation that comes out of their mouth. It's, it's like the Lord has led them out of that and freed them from it. It's just not one of the things that saints do. But saints do start to start to say, hey, there's not condemnation in Christ Jesus. Come to Him and find freedom. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, uh, do you see the common theme here? Christ Jesus? Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit who gives life, not death, death, has set you free there's freedom. Freedom enters the picture uh, with, with Christ. Enters freedom and life also is included in this. So, so you have Jesus bringing abundant life. Jesus bringing freedom. Um, the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, We are set free so that there is no condemnation in our lives, so that we are freed from condemnation. This is such an important truth. 
revelation. You've got to have hidden down inside of your heart. Because I don't care where you are on the journey or, or what level of maturity that you have come to. The enemy comes with this. And he comes and accuses. And you've got to be equipped with this to stand against it. When the enemy comes and accuses, I'm like, you know, I hear you, but I'm pretty sure in Christ Jesus I'm forgiven. I'm pretty sure in Christ Jesus that God has, has taken my sins and thrown them as far as the east is from the west. I did both hands that way because I'm not sure which way is east and west at the moment. I'm sure that he has chosen to remember my sins no more. I'm sure that his grace is sufficient. I'm sure that he has saved me and cleansed me and purified me and transformed me, that I am in him and that in him and through him I am not condemned. The blood of Christ is sufficient, has washed me clean, and has broken, not only washed sin off of my life, but broken the power of sin off of my life and awakened within me and, and brought to me the power of righteousness that I might live free and righteous and not condemned. And, and you just, you just got to... You just got to hit the enemy with the Word of God. That's why, like, I jokingly say, yeah, you should memorize 6, 7, and 8, jokingly. 5, 6, and 7, Matthew 5, jokingly, right? But you need the Word hidden down inside of your heart that you might not sin against Him. That when the enemy comes, you can say, yeah, God said this, and God said that, and God said this, and God said that, and there you go. By the way... <laughs> Like I said, my mind's all over the place. I'm sorry. Don't worry about what people say about you. Because people don't see you. People see the outside and they make judgments about all kinds of things without the wisdom to make them. Don't worry one moment about that. David's own brothers said things about him that were completely false. Not at all true. God spoke and said, here's a man after my own heart. He said, he said, he said to Samuel the prophet, Anointed prophet, he said, you only see on the outside, you don't see on the inside. He said, I can see all the way to the heart. I know who this man is. You don't worry about what anybody says about you because people will condemn you and bring accusation against you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Don't worry a day about that. All you need to worry about is what he says. All you need to worry about is on that day when you stand before him, what does he declare to you and over you? Does he applaud you and welcome you in and say, good job, come on in, my good and faithful servant. You've done good. Enter into your rest. What does God say? The enemy will condemn. People will condemn. What does the Lord have to say about you? Because he's the only one who truly sees you. By the way, you don't even truly see yourself. Only God can clearly see down into your heart and know who he has formed you and fashioned you and called you and made you to be. So don't even worry about what you have to say about you. Only what he says. And until you can say about you what God says about you, stop talking about yourself. Praise the Lord. I'm just all good today. It's good preaching. Thank you, Jesus, for this. Amen. I'm just applauding myself. That's probably not good, but anyway, I'm not, I'm not.
The Lord sees my heart. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Um, let me read a verse on bitterness here. Interesting what this says in Philippians. I mean, I mean, I mean Ephesians. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. No, I, that really just slipped out. Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, uh, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's interesting, isn't it? Not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And then, and then what follows that? I, I, would, I would say that we shouldn't think is disconnected from it. 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. What, what are we to do with that? What are we to do with bitterness? Get rid of it. What does bitterness do? It grieves the Holy Spirit. You wonder why it grieves the Holy Spirit? Because it's not at all good for the glory of God. It's not at all good for you. And it's not at all good for anyone else. Get rid of all of that in every form of malice. And then 31 says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is a powerful, powerful verse. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Well, why? Because Christ has forgiven you. Why should I forgive someone everything? Well, well, Jesus has forgiven you everything. Why should I not condemn? Because you're not condemned. But you don't know what they did. I'm not saying, I'm not saying they didn't do anything. I'm not saying you haven't been wronged or hurt. That's legitimate. People have sinned against you. I know it. And you have sinned against others. And you have sinned against God. And you are forgiven, so we must forgive. When we hang on to bitterness because we have such trouble with forgiveness, and I'm not saying it's easy. Forgiveness is one of those things, right? It's so easy until it's hard. I have had no trouble with forgiveness until I've had to forgive. When it's hard, it's hard. And I understand that. But in Christ Jesus, and if we are to, if we are to, to, to live in the freedom that, that is abundant life forever freedom, and if we are to, to show that to others, this is a must. We must forgive others in Christ as we have been forgiven. We cannot live or walk in bitterness. And, and, and what other purpose would I have in proclaiming this, you know, except I'm a preacher of the Word of God and that's what it says, than to, than to see freedom come. Because when we are freed from bitterness and freed from condemnation, we are almost freed from everything that comes against us. So forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Get rid of all bitterness. Embrace the beauty of forgiveness, the freedom of forgiveness, the unity of forgiveness. Now, 
I do want to read uh, Matthew 18, a little bit of it here, which just, just perfectly illustrates this, all of this that we've talked about, and, and I'm sure you're very familiar with it, and some of you are probably thinking, I bet he's going to go to Matthew 18. Well, yeah, I am. I'm going to read down through it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to read down through it kind of quick. And uh, I said kind of quick. I don't know what that means. Listen to this. Matthew 18, we'll start at verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, um, I, I, I think probably better, I don't know why the new NIV pulls out against you, but I think it should be there. Uh, everything else I could see, it, it should be there. If your brothers or sisters sin, so right here you could add against you, uh, because because that means there's conflict against between the two of you. If your brother or, or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Uh, if they listen to you, you have won over your brother or sister. You've won them. You've won them over because. Uh, isn't this interesting? This is in Scripture because what God wants for us is relationship and unity. But, so, so there's disagreement. God doesn't want disagreement. He wants us to come to a place of unity and, and agreement. So, so we're working to bring agreement. We, we should. We should try to be united and work towards agreeing. But if they will not listen, take two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. We're still trying to work towards, towards unity, still trying to work towards uh, agreement, to, towards relationship being reconciled. Verse 17 says, If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, uh, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So at, at this point in time, you know, you've worked for agreement and unity. You haven't ever been able to reach it, uh, so now there's, it's just not going to happen. And then, and then, he, then Jesus goes on to this and says, "Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. The power of agreement, the power of unity, it's so important that we walk together. If we are going to walk together, we've got to be in agreement. And, and one of the things that makes this possible is forgiveness. It's, the, it's, it's freedom from bitterness. It's freedom from condemnation. It is a, a high revelation of forgiveness and walking in forgiveness and the freedom, <coughs> excuse me, the freedom that comes from that. So uh, it's like Peter recognizes this, and so Peter asked Jesus a question. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, uh, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister uh, who sins against me? And, and then, you know, because Peter kind of wants to suggest the answer that he would like, maybe, that's kind of my take on it, he says, up to seven times, you know, it's like this suggestive thing, like, like when the waitress comes up to your table and says, isn't the food delicious? You know, it's, it's suggesting, you know, that, oh yeah, well, yeah, it is, it's delicious. Um, up, to, up to seven times, and then Jesus answered, now nah, I tell you no, not seven times, but 77 times, or seven times uh, 77. 
or, uh, or, or basically Jesus saying, it's not with number. It's not something that we're going to count. It's not something that we're going to keep track of. Uh, how many times uh, you are forgiving. But if we were to put a number on forgiveness and we put 77 on it, um, then we'd all, most all of us would still have a lot of forgiving to do. And we'd have to have some kind of track, the way to keep track of it and stuff. But, but there's probably no one that you have forgiven 77 times. But we don't want to keep track of it because as we'll see, uh, if we keep track of it, then if, then it's going to be kept track on us, and we don't want that. So then Jesus goes into this parable. You're, you're familiar with this. This is such a powerful and important story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000, he, he basically owes more than he, there's, there's no way he could ever repay it. Uh, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything, which he cannot ever do. He owes a debt that he could never pay. There's no way that he could ever pay it. Now look at this. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt, and let him go. Hallelujah. Isn't that just beautiful? I mean, place yourself in this man's position. You owe a debt you could never pay. It's been called. You can't pay it, so they're going to sell you, your family, everything in order to pay the debt. And you ask for forgiveness, and it's given. And you're completely, completely forgiven. There is now No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing held against him. Everything is gone. Everything is the debt is canceled, and he can he can freely, freely go. This, as we see here, what Jesus is doing is connecting this to us. This is what has happened in Christ Jesus, right? This is this is why we rejoice and we celebrate and we dance and we shout. And we weep and we cry. (coughs) Excuse me. Because we had a debt we could never pay. And Jesus paid the debt and shed his blood on Calvary. And we in Christ are forgiven. And we who should certainly be condemned now are not. There is no condemnation. We are completely forgiven Free in Jesus' name, there is nothing that God has against us. There is no debt that we have to repay. We are forgiven, and so we rejoice. And when the enemy comes and tries to lay it back on us, we say again, Oh no, I'm forgiven. God has removed it, it's gone. He has chosen to remember it. It is to remember it no more. It is deleted. It's removed. It's broken. It's destroyed. It's over. It doesn't, if God says it doesn't exist, it does not exist. It's gone. Hallelujah. So 
Now the story goes on. I, I, know, I know you know, but just let it hit you again. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and hugged him and kissed him and said, I know you owe me a hundred silver coins, but you are forgiven. It's over. It's gone. It's canceled. I forgive you. I've just been so forgiven. I just want to pass it on. I want it to flow through me. I want to forgive you. And everyone applauded and cheered and lived happily ever after. Why does Jesus tell this story? Why does he tell this story? He says, it says that he, that he grabbed him and began to choke him and said, pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. Why does Jesus tell this story? Why does he tell it? He tells it because this is what we have a tendency to do. But all of us standing on the outside recognize that it's not right, that it's wrong, that we shouldn't. That if we've been forgiven, far be it from us to not forgive. If we've been forgiven, then we, as we have been forgiven in Christ, we forgive. We have to. We must this story demands it. What God has done demands it. Otherwise, we are in the wrong and we come back into the debt that we owed. He grabs him, demands it, demands it. And then, and if this is not bad enough, then the guy in verse 29 says, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. And, and he actually could. He actually could pay him back. It's like, don't you connect that you just did this? You just fell on your knees and begged and asked, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But, but it, it doesn't connect. He doesn't get it. And, and instead of saying, oh, you know what, man, what am I doing? You're right. The, the, the king, the master was patient with me and forgave me, and, and yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm not even going to be patient with you. You are forgiven. For, forget it. It's over. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was doing. You're, you're forgiven. Instead of that, he refuses, but he refused. Instead, he went and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, when the other servants saw what had happened... They were outraged and went off and told their master everything that had happened because on the outside, you get it. On the outside, you see it. When you're on the out looking in, you say, man, you've been forgiven. You, <laughs> what are you doing? You've, you have to forgive. Everything's been taken away. Everything's been wiped clean. You're free to go. You don't even have to pay. You can't do that for this guy who only owes you $100. Come on, that upsets me. I'm, I'm upset about it. I'm going, to tell, I'm going to go tell on you. I'm going to tell the king, this is wrong. You know, like when your kids know something's wrong, man, they're coming to mom and dad to tell. They know this is wrong. And we know it's wrong too when we read the story, when we're looking on the outside. But, but when we're hurt and wounded, and someone has offended, and cut, and sinned against us, it comes a little bit more difficult. I'm not making light of it. 
I'm not making light of that. I know that the wound is real and true and the pain hurts and that you were wronged, but, but you have wronged and you've been forgiven. And so as you have been forgiven, you must also forgive. As we have been forgiven, we must also forgive. And, and, and the other reason is there's not true freedom if we don't. We'll be locked up just like this guy is locked up. We'll be bound just like they are. And we give the devil a foothold to allow condemnation into our lives. And this circular effect of sin and condemnation and the destructiveness of bitterness, which feeds rage and anger, just takes us deeper, not into freedom, but into bondage. That's why we've got to be free from, from condemnation. We've got to be freed from bitterness. And we can't do it if we don't forgive told the master. They went and told the master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in and he said, you wicked servant. Like, this is like one of the things that God doesn't really play with. He says, you, you wicked servant. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Well, yeah. Like when we read it, when we see it, it just makes sense. It's just, it's just clearly right. Who, who could disagree with this? This is probably a scripture that everyone everywhere agrees with, in theory. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how, this is Jesus speaking, my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We've got to forgive. We have to forgive as we have been forgiven. We've got to forgive all the way from our heart. And when you forgive and, and get rid of all bitterness, it's then that you truly are free. It's then that you're truly free from condemnation. It's then that you're truly free from bitterness. And the fruit of freedom appears in your life and brings glory and honor to God and proclaims that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Is there anything more than this? Maybe there's a few things right up there, but anything more than forgiveness that proclaims Jesus this is, this is something that saints do. We get rid of all bitterness. We forgive. Even when it hurts. Even when it's hard. And, and, and really, I mean, I guess there are little things that are easy to forgive, but forgiveness is really challenged when it becomes difficult. When it becomes hard. When you're really hurt. When you're really wounded. When the other person was wrong and you know they were. But for your good, and for God's glory, and for the abundant life of others, forgive as you have been forgiven. And you kind of you cut out the root of bitterness in your life, and, and you rob from the enemy any, any area of condemnation that he could bring. And you find that you are freed from bitterness, and freed from condemnation, and when you're freed from that, you are almost free. 
you are living in abundant freedom. And it's going to be eternal. But we can't, we can't say, you know what? I kind of want everything else that Jesus has, but, uh, but this forgiveness thing, nah. I'm going to hold on to that a little bit. Because if you do, I mean, this unforgiveness thing, I want to hold on to that a little bit. If you do, bitterness is going to grow. And bitterness grows till it consumes, takes over, chokes out everything, makes you its complete prisoner. You have been forgiven, and as you have been forgiven, forgive. And allow the abundant life fruit of forever freedom to be enjoyed by you and seen by others and to bring glory and honor to God. And, and I've never heard anyone say this. Man, I forgave those people and it's just been terrible. I'm just going to go back to bitterness and hating them. When, when you step into freedom and you know it, you stay there. You, know, you want to stay there. Whom... whom whom Christ has set free is free indeed. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will make you free. The truth is, forgiveness is beautiful. It is life-changing. It brings freedom to our lives. So as we have been forgiven, let's forgive. Let's pray together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord Jesus, we just come to you this morning. We know that there can be two things that are, that are very binding and hindering and enslaving and they're condemnation and bitterness. And we pray this morning, Lord, that you would free us from them both. That you'd free us from condemnation and that you would free us from bitterness. And Lord, we know that kind of the key and the answer to both of them is forgiveness. So this morning, Lord, we receive your forgiveness. We know that you have paid the price for our sins. And we ask you to forgive us and we receive it and to wash us clean, white as snow. This morning, if you just want to receive fresh and new the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just raise your hand. Yes, amen. I see your hands. Yes. Yes, Lord, our hands are up. Our hands are up, Lord. We just, we just receive uh, your forgiveness. If your hand's up, raised up, or, or even if it's not, just pray with me. Just repeat after me. And let's just, let's just fresh and new today. Just receive uh, the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Repeat after me, will you? Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross, that you shed your blood, that you are a suffi all-sufficient sacrifice for my sins. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. Wash me clean. Come into my heart. Be my Savior and my Lord. Declare over me that I am in you and that because I'm in you and through all that you've done, 
I am not condemned. Set me free from condemnation. I pray this in Jesus' name. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, can we just pray one more thing? Lord Jesus says, as you have set us free from condemnation by forgiving us, Lord, set us free from bitterness by leading us to forgive others. Let what we have received freely, freely flow out of us. Today, Lord, give us your strength and anointing and power and wisdom and word to as we have been forgiven to forgive. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if there's anyone or anything that that you have not forgiven, if there's any root of bitterness that is growing within you and grown within you, Let's just forgive that, forgive them, forgive that right now in Jesus' name. Will you just pray with me and repeat after me again? Lord Jesus, as I have been forgiven, I forgive. I forgive for this hurt, for this wound, for this pain. I set them free. I let them go. I forgive them. In Jesus' name, I pray your mercy, your grace, your blessing upon them. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Abundant life fruit of a saint is freedom. When we're freed from condemnation and bitterness, that grows beautifully in our lives and brings glory and honor to God and it proclaims that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. So walk in freedom and that means you got to walk in forgiveness. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Uh, we're going to celebrate uh, Brett's baptism. We've got cake uh, here, so please join with us and, and eat some cake and celebrate uh, uh, the new life of our brother. In Jesus' Jesus, we thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.